Dr. Amalia Gonyas Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Women in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us on the line today is the chairperson of the multi-party Women's Caucus Portfolio Committee and Member of Parliament, Ms. Inkansani Bilankulu. Part of our conversation will encompass the role of the committee and its mandate, as well as women's empowerment and gender equality. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Doc. Good morning. It's a pleasure to have you on the air today, Ms. Bilankulu. To start with, to just set the context, South Africa is a multi-party democracy. Currently, Parliament's National Assembly is composed of 14 political parties. And Parliament has a specific committee which represents women from the different political parties called the Multi-Party Women's Caucus. My understanding is that one of the issues it addresses is about gender responsive planning, a budgeting framework, and you chair this committee. How do you consider that these types of platforms progress women's agendas in South Africa? Uh, thank you very much, uh, Doc. Let me, let me say, firstly say this. In Parliament, the National Assembly is composed of 14 political parties like you have indicated, where the ANC is the leader of the day. I am a deployed by the ANC to Parliament and also deployed to serve as the chairperson of multi-party women caucus. Multi-party women caucus is comprised of all women politicians deployed in parliament by all political parties like we indicated. The multi-party women caucus is a platform where women parliamentarians to champion gender equality across racial and party political lines inside and outside parliament. A multi-party women caucus is empowered by the joint rule of number 137 to act as an advisory, influencing, and consultative body to represent the interests and concerns of women. It also it also mandated in promoting the discussion of the discussion of women issues. So the six parliaments came up with uh, eight focus areas, like we indicated. Yes, and as I understand, those focus areas are the decriminalization of sex work, women in politics, mm-hmm. sanitary dignity, uh-huh. gender-based violence and femicide, strengthening of the national gender machinery, the reintroduction mm-hmm. of gender-responsive budgeting, building relations mm-hmm. with stakeholders and women and health. Can you mm-hmm. share some of the developments in, in a few key areas? Well, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Doc. In one of the focus areas, you mentioned the issue of decriminalization of sex work. Our interest as multi-party is to realize the social cohesion and sex communities. The Fifth Parliament, yes, did voice its support to decriminalization of the sex work, 
they also resolved to adopt the use of the term sex work instead of prostitution. That dignity, because it's some people's work. But let me also indicate that there is, there is a lot that needs to be done under this topic. The legacy report has indicated that we still need to go and advocate the release of the South African Law Reform Commission report. Uh, the proposal of the, of the decision made by the Fifth Parliament also, it was to say during the Sixth Parliament, we need to host the uh, public hearings in all the provinces uh, for the recommendation of the South African Law Reform Commission report. We also need to engage the Department of Justice and Correctional Services, meaning that when we go back to Parliament now, these are some of the issues that we, we are saying that we are going to look into it. You also mentioned the issue of sanitary towels or sanitary dignity. Yes, and I, I have to say I feel very strongly about the issue of, of sanitary dignity because uh-huh. the reality is that every month a girl is going to be on her menstruation cycle. If she takes off the week that she has her period every month, that means that out of 12 months in the year, she loses four months just uh-huh. owing to being on, on menstruation. And there is no way that anyone can catch up cumulatively on 25% of their school term if they successively are losing that time. So if girls have the appropriate protection in place, then they will be able to attend school continuously for the benefit of their education. And at the end of the day, that benefits our, our country economically. You are 100% correct, Doc. Let me indicate also to you that as a rural woman, I grew up in a, in a village, I schooled there, I know what you are talking about. You know, in most of the rural girls, they don't afford to buy the sanitary towels. And they're expensive products too. Previously, our mothers or our sisters used to have to cut maybe a, a cloth to use during their menstruational cycles. And it wasn't enough. Time and again, one will realize that this person is now on her cycle. Because when you, you send up a dot or a mark at your bed, will be seen showing that the, what you are using is not enough. It's not good enough to protect. But as the as multi-party women caucus, this is one of our main needs to make sure that we advocate even for those uh, rural women or rural girls to make sure that their dignity is protected. And if I'm not mistaken, one of the interventions that you're trying to bring about is to have the local production of sanitary wear yes. and yes. for the distribution of of those products to girls. That one is in our heart. Because even 
in the in the the resolution of our conference, the 58th conference, as the African National Congress, we came up with that to say, as women of South Africa want to see them uh, having this sanitary towel for free, and that is real now. It came to effect in April 2019, meaning that there is one of the achievements that we that as women or multi-party, we ended up achieving last year. So as part of that achievement, does that mean that girls will receive free sanitary protection? That, that's, where, that's the way to go. But for now, what we achieved is that the effect thing has been removed from all the sanitary products. That's a significant achievement. I mean, that already reduces yes. the cost by 15%. So, as we are still having engagement with various stakeholders, including National Treasurer and the Minister of Women about this provision of free sanitary products. And as the multi-party, it is our responsibility to monitor the rollout of sanitary products to indigenous women and girls and to ensure that women-owned businesses are involved in manufacturing and distribution of these sanitary products. We don't want them to receive them only, but we also want to see production that are being made by women. We want to see women distributing all these sanitary products because government will take part in subsidizing the, the manufacturers. So you're saying this as an initiative that also fosters economic empowerment of women right through from the manufacturing space to to the distribution to actually the end consumers being women. That's what I was coming up to say. By so doing, as multi-party women caucus will be addressing the issue of economic transformation and job creation to our poor women. Thank you for sharing some of the highlights that are falling under the umbrella of, of sanitary dignity. I know that other priorities are obviously gender-based violence and femicide and women in politics and also gender-responsive budgeting. Could you touch on some highlights when, within each of those three areas? Uh, uh, you will remember that... Uh, Gender-based violence and femicide is rife now in South Africa and to the whole world. That needs an urgent attention by all men and women. Members of the Swiss Parliament, they attended a presidential summit on gender-based violence and femicide in 2018. So it is the duty of these six parliaments to make sure that follow-ups are to be made in order to make sure that the summit declaration is simply is implemented again during the sauna in 2019 the president made a pronouncement of the establishment of the gender-based violence and femicide council and the national strategic plan besides the structuring but, of the committees so what what are the tangible elements to it like what what's actually being done or on on the agenda the the president wanted all the departments 
to make sure that in their department, the issue of gender-based violence and femicide, there are finances that are to be put aside to address the issues of gender-based violence. These committees in different departments are also there to make sure that each and every department has to account when it comes to issues of gender-based violence, instead of reacting when there is something. We want to see the government which is responsive in all the issues that are affecting our people. So the issue of gender-based violence is there, and because of the realization of what happened, that's where they took this initiative to say, we need to see, or we need to have departments that have put aside money that are to support or to familiarize people with the issues that are facing our country now. The issue of gender-based violence, if you remember well, the issue of women, it came and really disturbed the country. You know, a poor child went to school, from school went to collect uh, the mail or whatever has been sent to her to the post office. Not knowing that from school to the post office I'm going to face, or I'm go- my life is going to end. But it, it, it did happen. And that's where most of the women started to have this issue to say, what is it that we need to do? And the, de- the debate was there in Parliament to say, enough is enough. We have seen enough about this gender-based violence and femicide, but we need to do something. And that's where the president said uh, harsher sentences are to be put in place for all the perpetrators. As a multi-party women caucus, since I've indicated that we're still debating all these issues, we are still going to come up with strategies to say, is it enough? for us to hear that uh, harsh sentences are to be put in place? Or what is it that we want to see as the women of this country? And with this issue of gender-based violence and genocide, I don't think it's for women only. But it also needs our male partners to also educate the boy child. As the women, while we're busy educating a girl child day in, day out, it also needs our maid to educate a boy child. It needs all of us to take this into serious consideration in making sure that we root out this issue of gender-based violence. We want to see something better than saying a harsh sentence. Well, the reality is of once you get to the sentencing space, the, the crime, the assault has already been committed. Our goal should be about preventing the crime from mm. taking place in the first instance. And as you rightly say, this combines of a socialization process of youth from both parents, mothers and fathers to their sons and daughters on the appropriate way of behaving with one another to start developing more of an egalitarian society. Hi, I'm Zonke Dikana, a South African Afro-soul musician, songwriter and producer. 
You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Today, we're talking to the chairperson of the Multi-Party Women's Caucus Portfolio Committee and Member of Parliament, Ms. Nkansani Belankulu. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Whilst you've spoken about the issues un- under the mandate, I-, I would imagine that the challenges that women in South Africa face are unfortunately not unique to our country. So do you work with other countries in the continent to share learnings, distribute them so that we can fast track progress? And, and if so, can you tell us about some of the examples? Last year, uh, there was a SADC PS meeting. The SADC PS, uh, that's where the chairperson of multi party women caucus and some members from multi party uh, attend. In that meeting, we were saying we need to come up with a, a modern law to look into issues that are affecting the SADC communities. Gender-based violence is one of the issues that is affecting the Sadek region also. But what makes us to differ from one community to the other or one country to the other is our laws. South Africa has got a very good laws, and all our, our laws are in place. But in some of the laws, we start to realize that they are gaps. And we believe that during our meetings in the Sadek region, it will assist us to find out to find out the way of closing the gaps that we have. Because when we are there, we need to be marked with other Sadek communities. And a few years ago, I think around about 2015, we were looking at the Women Empowerment and Gender Equality Bill, which it didn't come to fruition, which was really emphasizing parity within corporate structures because we know that we, we've got good good structures in place in terms of gender equality in, in government, but it was looking at driving more effective equality in corporate structures. To be honest and frank with you, Doug, the challenge that we're facing as South Africa or as the South African community is the issue of monitoring and implementation. Most of the laws, as I've indicated, are there, but implementation and monitoring of those, we're still making there. I think that's where one of our mandates will be to get deep into it in order to realize the gaps that are there. If it needs to be debated in the House, then we need to bring it to the House to say, in this law, we have realized that there is a gap, and the gap is this one. So we debate it in order to be adjusted if we need to adjust to that law. Staying with aspects of, of legislation and looking at bodies which help propel and institute good governance, I looked at the UN Women's website, and they state that gender equality is not only a basic human right, but its achievement has enormous socioeconomic ramifications. Empowering women fuels thriving economies, spurring productivity and growth. 
Yet, gender inequalities remain deeply entrenched in every society. End quote. In your opinion, which areas do you think we need to build on the most to benefit women in the future? I think uh, the issue of women empowerment is still a challenge in our country. This gender equality, we're talking about it day in, day out, but it's not implemented. When you, when you check in all, let me say all the departments, you'll find that when we're having managerial, 10 managerial posts, maybe two, if not one, person occupying the managerial post is a woman. So that's only so 10%? You'll end up not getting anything because when you go to qualifications, you'll find that the qualification that is with the man who is leading there or who is senior there, it's also the qualifications that the woman who is a subordinate to that man. But our aim and our focus will be that we need to educate our people in order to understand this issue of equity. Previously, yes, it was because a lot of our women were not educated. A lot of our women didn't go to school because of the culture. But now, uh, young women or young girls are attending schools. They achieve the same thing as males, but the, the hierarchy there doesn't talk to each other. So we need to educate one another in order to know that as women, we don't have to look down for ourselves. We must say that we are also equal to the task. We must tell ourselves that women's space is no longer in the kitchen. We need to go out. We need to see women also as president of the country. We also need to see women as premiers of the provinces. We also need to see the women as executives and mayors, as, as senior managers, the CEOs of, of departments, the, D, the DGs, the HODs, all those things, we also want to see women there. And without educating one another, I don't think we'll achieve this. And when you look at the education dynamic, because your, your history is in education, you were, were a teacher for many years before you entered the foray of politics, how do you um, see the education uh, dynamic? Is this formal education in schools? Is this informal education, for instance, when you spoke about budgeted resources being allocated to different departments, that departments are initiating this more equitable education? Because one thing that we do know in terms of, of qualifications, our girls are achieving higher marks and there are more of them graduating from tertiary education. Looking into education, I think in these 25 years of democracy a lot has been done. It's only that it has been done meanwhile the foundation the foundation there was not good enough to accommodate date, uh, all of us. Uh, yes, we used to say that, uh, or we were marginalized before as women. That's what drives us into this situation today. But now, schools are there, even in rural areas, where each and everyone is allowed to go there. 
And at school, if you can check the percentage of the pass rate, you will see that a lot of girls made it. But when, when it comes to work environment, that's where there's a problem. So if we were to see all of the components in the mandate of the multi-parties women's caucus come to fruition, if we are able to have all of the right educational elements where we're educating both genders on equality, how do you think South Africa will look in 10 to 20 years from now concerning women's rights and gender equality? Let, let, let me also say, Doug, that uh, our duty also is to encourage young women to go to school in order to have a better future that will lead us to into better jobs and that that will also lead us to a better South Africa. Uh, Nelson Mandela once said, education is the most powerful weapon which, you, which we can use to change the world. For us to see a better South, South Africa, we need people who are educated. We need to go to school. We need to involve ourselves in all sectors. Uh, I will also conscientize our, our young girls to say, the fancy proverbs found in the DNA of Ghana said, when you educate a man, you educate an individual. But when you educate a woman, you educate a nation. Meaning that if we put an effort of making sure that our young girls and young women go to school, the whole nation will be educated. And by education, we're not only talking about going to class. When we're at home, the conversation that we have with our boy child and girl child, we are educating them because we are the first at home who are the primary or the first teachers. Sure, there is a, a multiplier effect of education, not just about the knowledge and the skills to perhaps get a better job, earn a, a higher income. But, but through that, it's about how you can care for your children more effectively. It's one of the education that is needed. If I can go back to the issue of gender-based violence, some of the things or some of the behaviors that we see today is not because these young boys or young men or these uncles, whatever, are not educated, but they are bringing the, the environment where they find themselves in the way it is or the way it was, make them to behave the way they are behaving. So it's two things. We need to teach our, our children at home. We also need to take our children to school in order to get professions. The churches also need to form part of this. Thank you for sharing some of the interventions that the Multi-Party Women's Caucus has proposed, some of the work that is underway, uh, looking at the responsibility that people have to take as citizens on how we nurture generations to come, as well as how we behave in our present set of, of circumstances. Hi, this is Lira, South African Afro soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, and democracy. 
Today, we're talking to the chairperson of the Multi-Party Women's Caucus Portfolio Committee and Member of Parliament, Ms. Nkansani Belankulu. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Ms. Belankulu, turning towards more of a personal perspective, can you share with us some of the gender challenges that you've experienced during your career? Uh, as a young woman coming from a rural area, like I've indicated, during my school time in the high school level, from standard six up to eight, we used to be a group of girls. We used to be together in class, outside class, together. When we were doing standard eight, my friend happened to be pregnant. One of my relatives indicated to my dad to say, you know, Kate's friends are pregnant. Meaning while taking her back to school, it will be just a waste of money. If those friends are pregnant, what about her? It means she will fall pregnant. And my dad didn't tell me anything. He was working in Jobek, far from home. After the December holiday, he went back to work without giving me anything. He used to give us money before we leave off. The school every day prepare you for school. But that year, he didn't do anything. He just went back. I asked myself what happened. I asked my mom. She said, no, I don't know. You didn't leave anything with me. Then I said, what to do? Let me go and look for a work. And my aim was to get money in order to go back to school. I set a target for myself to say, I want to see myself somewhere one day. And I want to prove my father that I'm not the type of a person that has been told by whoever that I'm not going to finish my school. I worked. For, for two years. After that, I went back to school and I managed that. I went to the university. That's where also my father started to realize that, no, this young lady, she wants to further studies. Uh, I went back to school being angry to say, why is he comparing me with my friends? Why is he not taking responsibility of his own child? Having done all of those achievements, you you did this yourself. You had no financial support from your family. You knew that education, like you said in the words of of Nelson Mandela, it's the weapon to, to change the world and to change your future. You invested into yourself. You attained all of your qualifications to put you in the position that you're in today. How does your, your family feel about, about your achievements? Uh Unfortunately, my, my father passed on in the year 2000 years. My mother is still alive. So she needs to, to do something in order to make sure that there is food at all. And I've learned a lot of things from her. Your mother sounds like she was a, a source of, of inspiration to you. Yes, who, very. Who would you say very. have been some of the other strong women in your life and, and why? The first strong woman I will talk about is my mom. I think she's the first woman to work in my village, to go out and look for a work somewhere else and coming back. But apart from that, there are women also that motivated me. When I read of Mama Wini and knew him as my leader in the ANC, I've learned that that woman was very strong. She went through a lot, but she never loses focus. Looking into Dr. Nkosazana, I can see that she's a strong woman. She, she went to school, she went, she detained, she come back to work. She also lose the marriage on the way, but she's still there, still focused, still leading. She's always 
focus. She's showing us the type of leadership that women need to be. I'm so impressed by them. Knowledge sharing and knowledge gaining seem to be some of the key aspects in your life and it sounds like you're never going to stop learning. One of the questions that I ask my guests on the show who've made tremendous achievements in their respective disciplines is about the factors that they consider have contributed to their success. So what would you say has helped and and contributed to you, your success? Uh, You must be the change you wish to see in the world. That's the first thing. Poverty also has driven me to be far. If you think you are poor, think loud and think ahead to say, for me to be something tomorrow, what is it that I need to do? Uh, Accept challenges when they come, but just tell yourself that challenges are not there to destroy you. Challenges are there to uplift you. You learn out of it, then you become something. Tell yourself, be positive with yourself and set goals for yourself. You say, I'm here today. I want to see myself there tomorrow. When you set goals for yourself, you pray for them. Talking about myself as a Christian, when I set myself a goal, I pray for the goal. To say, God help me to achieve the goal that I want to, to achieve. And you will end up being there. I'm a living testimony. I, I have faith while doing things. If you don't have something, just wish. Or if you see somebody having something, appreciate that person. Go to the person. Ask that person as to how did you manage to achieve this? What drives you to this end? After getting that thing, tell yourself that I'm also a human being. I'm just like that person. I will also get that thing. What you need to, to do is to appreciate other achievements from other people. And you wish that for yourself. That positive mind will assist you or it will help you to achieve also that thing at the end of the day. It sounds as though you've been very much driven about planning and having a positive mindset and, more importantly, implementation to achieve your goals. Now, lastly, in closing the conversation today, could you share a few words of wisdom or inspiration that you'd like to pass on to women and young ladies that are, are listening to us on the continent? Aspire to inspire before you expire. Learn to be something. Think of something big. Work hard for that thing. You'll end up living it. Let us stand up as women. Let us stand up as South Africans. Tell yourself that you are not a failure. Tell yourself that I can do. Tell yourself that you have everything that you have been given, a mind, eyes, or also hands, to do something or to bring change. As long as you have your plans in place and you stick to your your plans, you will end up doing something. You don't have jealousy. Take away jealousy in all your things. That's why I said before, appreciate, learn to appreciate one another. Submit yourself. Try to live and to learn from each and every person you come across. Don't have classes. When you are in the community, stay with all these rural women. Share things with them. Let them share their ideas with you. You learn a lot from them. 
when you're out of the community in urban areas or associate yourself with whoever in order to learn. And after learning, that thing will assist you or it will help you to grow. For a person to grow, it doesn't mean that you need to go to school only. You also learn even to the people around you, those who didn't go to school. There is something that they know. There is something that they achieved on the way that can assist you to build yourself or to build your self-confidence. Thank you, Doc. Thank you very much for being on the show today and for sharing some valuable insights. I, I have to say that I, my new favorite quote is going to be, aspire to inspire before you expire. Yes. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to the chairperson of the Multi-Party Women's Portfolio Committee and Member of Parliament. Ms. Inkinsani Bilankuru.